Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Before I pray today, I want to I want to explain something to you that I want to start doing. On a, on a regular basis. I've just been real convicted lately um, that maybe local churches don't partner together like they ought to. Unfortunately, in, in, in some circles, there's a sense of competitiveness, and, and I don't know where that comes from. I hope none of you have ever felt that way and, and never will, but I, I just feel real um, convicted to pray from our pulpit every Sunday morning for a different church in our area. And so I'm going to pray for... Um, I'm going to begin to pray for pastors specifically that God would use them because I'm, I know what goes into it. I know the work that goes into it. And uh, you need to know from my heart, I understand what the Lord's doing here is phenomenal and unbelievable and, and um, way beyond what most people ever would have hoped or imagined. And, and I stand in awe just like you do. And I know there are other guys that work probably harder than I do that don't see God doing those great things. And so I'm just incredibly thankful for what the Lord's doing through you incredibly blessed to be part of it. I mean, I'm just part of it like you are. But I want to pray for other churches because I just, I just wish a revival would sweep our land, really, in our area. And, you know, if you do the math and you look at all the churches in our, in our area and you add up all the seats, if we filled every church building up every Sunday morning, there would still be thousands of people not in church in Troop County alone. And so we need strong, healthy churches that are preaching the truth of God's Word. And so you're going to hear me from now on um, at least for the next little while, begin to pray for other churches specifically. I just wanted you to know why I was doing it. And I just pray that maybe you would join me in doing that as we pray for each other, the Lord would do great things, okay? So let's pray together. Father, we love you and serve you and thank you for another incredible morning of what you've already done, Father, in our other services and what you've done in our time of worship this morning, Father. So we, we come to this point right now, Lord, where we've, we've done everything we can to prepare our hearts and, and to listen to you and to trust you. And we, we come to this point now, Lord, that I, I pray our hearts are ready to receive your word. Even though sometimes it's difficult for us to receive, Father, I pray you give us the strength to hear it. And to open our spiritual eyes, Lord, so that you can be glorified in our lives. Father, I want to pray for our local churches right now. All across this community and, and really all across this nation. That right now at 11 a.m., Father, it's go time for them and so they've been preparing all week and they've been praying and there are pastors that have been studying your word father i want to pray right now specifically for tom tucker first baptist west point i pray this morning father you would speak very powerfully through tom i pray that you would just remove the sin lord that thinks this is some kind of competition And open our eyes to how big you really are. And how much you really do, Lord, if we just let you quit being petty. So I pray for Tom. I pray you'd speak powerfully through his message this morning. The people of that precious church and that town would hear your voice. That you would begin revival, Lord, in our community. Through our churches and through our pastors and those that love you so dearly. I pray, Father, you'd continue to do great work here 
I pray that your name would be glorified, Father. I pray that you would use me even in my sinfulness, even in my failure, even in my weakness, Lord. You'd use me to do great things. So speak to us this morning through the power of your word. May we be transformed more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. So take your Bibles and open to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. I want to give you a couple of things you need to know about very quickly before we delve into this text. we got some opportunities upcoming over the summer, of course, with mission work. If you're going to Honduras or Alaska, April the 17th, there's a meeting you need to be part of. If you're interested in South Asia over the summer, you need to kind of get on that pretty quickly because we need to fill that team up. If you're interested in Romania... There are all sorts of opportunities. I'll talk to you about it. Randy Presley will talk to you about it. You say, I can't go overseas for whatever reason. I can't work it out with schedule or finances. That's fine. We've got Mission LaGrange. We design Mission LaGrange, which is a week during the summer where we take everything else off and we focus on LaGrange. And so you can be involved in Mission LaGrange. You don't have to go anywhere. You literally walk across the street. So you be praying about what the Lord would have you to do. And then we're, we're kind of doing something that we want to see how the Lord wants to use it. I've kind of had a vision for a couple of years. We own all this land. You may not know this about our church. Our church is debt-free. We own 30-plus acres. So all that you see, the kind of the pasture, almost all the way to the house is our property. And I've just thought, you know, what, what can we do with that property? I mean, it's just sitting there, right? It's great ground. And what can we do? And I just thought, you know, what if we, what if we did a community garden? What if we just decided to plant a, a big garden... And we said, you know what, we're going to plant this garden. Our people are going to work it and make it happen. Then we're just going to give all the food away. Just whoever needs it, just come get food. You say, there really that many people need food? Yep. We give it away all the time up here. We have, we have boxes of it up in rooms that are stored. But you know what needs to happen before we have a community garden? We need your help. And so... Even right now, as you're hearing me talk about it, if you think the Lord's speaking to you and you're just interested in it, as soon as this service is over, you hang out in here. We're going to have a quick meeting. Not going to be long. Mallory Jeter has kind of volunteered to head this up. If you know Mallory, Mallory's been in Africa for about six weeks. The Lord's doing some incredible things in her heart. And I, I kind of pitched this idea to her last week. And she about jumped out of her chair saying she wanted to do it. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? When you start something, you never know. But we'll be faithful. We'll give it a shot. And, and I got a feeling it'll be bigger than we think it will be. And so if you're interested, just show up, listen, and see what the Lord does through the community garden at Rosemont Baptist. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's going to be cool. Okay, Genesis 41. Let's jump into this text. Let's be reminded of where we've been and kind of where we're going. The life of Joseph. Kind of the last quarter of the book of Genesis is all about Joseph. It's all about Joseph's life. And we see within Joseph, as we study him, and I've, I've, I've kind of found myself liking his story more and more because we see within Joseph things that we can relate to, don't we? Joseph is a man who's struggled in his life. Man, we have struggles. Joseph is a man who's been kind of through difficulties. We've been through difficulties. Joseph is a man who's had some issues with his family. We've had issues with our family. Joseph is a man who maybe is waiting on the Lord and it's taking the Lord a little longer than he thought. We're people that wait on the Lord and sometimes the Lord's not on our time frame. And so Joseph just really speaks to me through his struggles and through the difficult situations. But the thing I love about Joseph is even in his difficult moments, even in the struggles he's gone through, he's always faithful, he's always trusting, and he's always waiting on the Lord. So here, here's what God wants Joseph to understand and he wants you to understand as well. God, God's got a, a bigger plan than we could ever hope or imagine. 
We just think we've got big dreams. God says, I, w- I want to use you in ways you never even thought possible. And so I, w- I want to pose this question in your life this morning as we kind of walk through this text. and We're going to learn more about Joseph and his faithfulness and especially waiting on the Lord. I want to ask this question. What are you waiting on the Lord to do this morning? What are you hoping the Lord is going to do in your heart? You say, I've never had a, a vision of what the Lord's going to do. Well, maybe this morning you'll get one. Maybe for the first time in your life you'll begin to consider this truth. If, if God is who he says he is, as the scripture teaches, and I believe he is, then that means that God really does have a plan for my life, which I believe he really does. I should get busy figuring out what that plan is. Because my days on this earth are limited. I've got fewer and fewer days. The older I get, I've got fewer and fewer days to accomplish God's purpose for my life. What are we waiting on God to do in our life? And maybe even more importantly, this is what we're going to see in Joseph's story this morning. What are we doing as we're waiting? What is God producing in our lives as we wait on him to do great things? So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 41. Now I want to begin this morning with the last verse of chapter 40, kind of puts us in the right frame of mind. It reminds us of where Joseph has been. Remember, Joseph is in prison, falsely accused. The cupbearer and the baker show up. God interprets their dreams. Excuse me. Joseph interprets their dreams through the power of God. God uses him. And then Joseph hopes, because he's interpreted these men's dreams, that he's going to get out of prison, right? Now, this is funny to me. This is Joseph's big plan. I want to get out of prison so I can go home. That's what he's hoping, right? God says, Joseph, (laughs) dude. That's all you want? You're going to get that plus a million times more. We'll get there in just a second. But Joseph is left in this place, interpreting these dreams, hoping God's going to get him out of prison. In the end of chapter 40, verse 23, a sad verse, the chief cupbearer, right? This is the guy that left. Joseph interpreted his dream. He's now back with Pharaoh. However, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So Joseph is kind of still stuck. Now we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 41. When two full years had passed, let me just say this to you. We don't measure the life of Joseph in days or weeks or months. We're measuring it now in years. You think you've been struggling for a long time? Joseph has been struggling for over a decade now and it's going to continue. Two full years had passed. Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile, stood beside those on the riverbank. The cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Now verse 5, he fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. Now, verse 8, in the morning, his mind was troubled. He's thinking about it. He can't figure out. So he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants 
And he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Verse 12, now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. Now, verse 14, this is a big verse. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Now, stop there just for a minute because there's some truth I want you to see in these few verses. All that Joseph has gone through, all the the difficulties, all the struggles that he's faced. And and we kind of think about a a visual reminder of Joseph. Joseph started up here. His dad loved him. He was favored. But his brothers hated him, remember? Then they sold him into slavery. Then he was accused of a crime, falsely accused, thrown into prison. He interpreted the dreams, but they still didn't let him go. And so he's languishing. He's kind of rotting away in a prison cell. He's been here now for a number of years. He's kind of at the, the bottom of this story. It's kind of come to the worst moment for him. But something amazing is going to happen in verse 14. God is going to look upon him with favor and do something incredible. Here's truth number one. This is important. Waiting on the Lord will produce a turning point in our lives. Waiting on the Lord will produce a turning point in our lives. If you trust the Lord and you seek the Lord long enough and you trust him and follow his direction, at some point he's going to do something amazing in your life. Now, let's remember Joseph. Joseph was 17 years old when he came to Egypt. Bible says that in later in this chapter, he's 30 years old. That's okay. I know the, 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 it's okay. I've had little ones. I know everybody's thinking and listening. It's okay. It's about to be better. <laughs> and there it is. Okay, it's all good. See, if we'll just wait on the Lord. What an amazing illustration. Joseph has been waiting for 13 years. He's 17 and now he's 30. He's been waiting on the Lord. He's been languishing in this prison. Everything for Joseph is about to change. And I believe, now this is awfully important. I believe this is the moment that God had chosen for Joseph. This is the moment that for those 13 difficult years, God had been preparing him for this. You understand that? There's truth in this understanding that as we walk through very difficult times, God's preparing us for something bigger. You ever thought about that? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to, to say out loud, but as you think about the struggles you're in, and we've all got them. I mean, every person has a struggle. Whatever struggle you're walking through right now, we need to understand that in the midst of that struggle, God's preparing us for something greater. You understand that? It's oftentimes at at the lowest of low that God uses us. But here's the struggle for us. Here's what we need to understand about Joseph. This is hard for us to swallow sometimes. Sometimes we have to get to the very bottom before God lets us start going up to the top. And so Joseph is kind of bottomed out here. And so I wrote, uh, you're going to laugh at me. It's it's an equation. It's a math equation. Not really. It's got words in it. But it's a little equation to help you understand what's going on. Pull it up if you would for me, please, Stephen. Watch this. Struggles plus large amounts of time, 
plus trusting and waiting on the Lord equal great things. Isn't that cool? Now, that's, that's my, I mean, I kind of came up. It's not in the scripture, so be careful there. But I, thought, I think that kind of fits. That kind of fits what Joseph is going through, right? But here's what we want to do. We want to take those things out. We want to end up with great things, but we don't want to go through struggles, do we? No, 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 Lord, I don't need that part of the... If you know anything about math, when you remove one of the parts of the equation, it doesn't work, right? We want to take out the struggles. We can't do that. Or we say, okay, I'll struggle, but only for a couple of days. Long amounts of time, Lord, I don't want to do that. Or, or I'm going to struggle for large amounts of time. And, and you know what? Forget it, Lord, I'm not going to trust you. You don't know what you're doing. You haven't helped me. We, we take out the trust and the way... We can't take those things out. God says, when you're struggling over large amounts of time, if you'll trust me and wait on me, I'm going to do great things through you. That's exactly what we see with Joseph. Year after year after year has passed by. Struggle after struggle after struggle has passed by. Joseph, every moment, has trusted and waited on the Lord. And at this moment in verse 14 of chapter 41 of Genesis, we see finally a turning point where God's going to do something miraculous. You say... I don't like to wait, <laughs> neither do I. But if you kind of take a step back and you begin to understand the truth of Scripture, you, you, you're confronted with this simple truth. The Bible is full of periods of waiting. In fact, all the, the great biblical stories you can think of, all the incredible things the Lord did through people were done after a period of waiting. Paul had to wait. Noah had to wait. Elijah have, had to wait. Jesus had to wait. You ever thought about this? The life of Jesus. He's 33 years old when he's crucified. His ministry begins at the age of 30. That means of his entire 33 years, three years were spent in ministry, 30 years were spent in preparation. If it takes Jesus 30 years to get ready for what the Lord's going to do, how long is it going to take with me? Think about Moses. Moses grew up with Pharaoh in Egypt and had everything he could possibly want. He flees. We know the story. He runs off into the desert. And for 40 years, he tends sheep. For 40 years, he just waits. And the Lord prepares him. And the Lord prepares him. And then one day, burning bush. God says, you're ready. And then he takes this man, Moses, who's been a, a sheep herder for 40 years on the backside of the desert. Nobody even knows he's still alive. And he uses him to accomplish maybe the greatest display of God's glory in the history of the world as he brings the people of Egypt, as he brings the children of Israel out of bondage and out of captivity in Egypt. But it didn't happen until there was a time of waiting. It didn't happen until God had properly prepared that man to do his will. And so we, we, we find ourselves in our life now and we ask the question, God, do I, do I have to continue to wait for you to work? Do I have to continue to struggle? It's interesting because we, we like to fast forward things, don't we? But if you study scripture, you, you begin to see very clearly that God on regular occasions tells us to wait on him. For example, Psalm chapter 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. Psalm chapter 37 verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I'll never forget when I was in college. You're, you're going to find this hard to believe. But there was a moment in my life in college. When I was very interested in Amy my wife. And she was not at all interested in me. Can you believe that? I mean what was she thinking and so I spent, I spent great amounts of time praying. And listen, young men that don't have a wife, prayer and fasting. That's what, 
You're looking for a wife. That's what you need to be doing. You need to be praying and fasting. That's what I did. And so I came to this moment in my life, literally. I'll never forget it. I was sitting on the floor of my, my bedroom in my parents' house. They're still there now. They still live in that same house. And I was sitting on the floor and I was just praying. And you know how sometimes we're, we're good about this as Christians. We're good about saying we've given something to God when we haven't really. And we say it in front of other Christians because it makes us sound spiritual. Oh, I've given this to the Lord. You know, it's in the Lord's hands. Knowing full well, we hadn't given anything to the Lord. We're still holding on to it and trying to fix it ourselves. And so I came to this moment in my life where I, for the first time in that whole process of, of trying to seek the Lord, I didn't know what he wanted me to do. I didn't know the direction to go. I didn't know anything. I, I, I actually gave it to the Lord. And I remember just sitting on my floor in my bedroom with my Bible, just weeping. Lord, what do you want to do in my life? You tell me to do it, Lord, and I'll do it. And you know how the Lord just sometimes, just, there are those moments in your life, kind of these, these sentinel moments where you can just say, this was a big deal, and, this, and you kind of point to these pillars of faith in your life. That's a moment for me because the Lord said to me, Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. Now, I'm a young guy in college. I don't know that I ever read Lamentations. I'd probably never heard a sermon out of it. I flipped to Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. Here are the words of the Lord. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God said, Adam, Adam, I got this. You just trust me, you just seek me, you just walk in faith with me, quietly, patiently, let me handle what I need to handle, let me work in her life, and you figure out your life, and in the end, it'll go the way I want it to go. So that's exactly what I did. A couple years later, we were married. Not because of anything Adam did, because the Lord said, wait quietly. We see this all through Scripture, don't we? We want to we fast forward through things, don't we? We want to say, yeah, Lord, I want you to do it, I want you to do it now. I don't want to wait a, a day or a week or a month or a year. Joseph has languished now for 13 years. And finally, finally in his life, God's about to do something incredible. And so I think it's fair for us to ask the question, as we struggle through life, what's God preparing us to do? What will the difficulties you're facing now teach you and help you understand about the Lord that will allow you to be used by him at some point in the future. Because if we trust him long enough, there's going to be a turning point. Just like there was for Joseph. Now let's see what happens. Verse 15, let's continue. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now hold up a second, I want to show you something. This is fascinating. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just notice this. I want to, I want to point something out to you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Pharaoh says, Joseph, it's all about you, dude. I mean, I just, you're the man. You apparently can interpret dreams. They brought you from the dungeon. It's all about you. I want you to interpret my dream. Now look at verse 16. Look what Joseph does here. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. You see that? Pharaoh says, Joseph, it's all about you. Joseph says, no, 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 no. It's not about me at all. It's about the Lord working through me. So, verse 17 through 24, I'm not going to read it because there's a lot here. Pharaoh tells Joseph his dreams. We already know the dream. We've already heard it. We're not going to read it again. Verse 25 through 32, Joseph is going to interpret the dream. Here's the interpretation. Joseph says, listen, you had, you had these two different dreams, seven 
fat, happy cows and seven ugly old cows. And here's, what, here's the dreamies. There are going to be seven really good years in Egypt. Then there are going to be seven really bad years. There's going to be seven years of plentiful and great resources. And there's going to be seven years of famine. And the seven years of famine are going to be so bad, they're going to swallow up all that you've been able to save in the first seven years. And so 14 years from now, Egypt is going to be ruined, basically, if something isn't done. So verse 33, Joseph continues. Now, he says, now this is, again, this is just, this is a slave boy who's coming from prison who means nothing to these people, standing in front of, literally, at this time in history, the most powerful man in the world, but he's going to speak with absolute clarity because the Lord has given him the ability to do it. Verse 33, now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Now verse 37. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all of his officials, and now just this incredible turn of events. So remember, Joseph's plan was just to get out of prison. That's Joseph's hope. So Pharaoh asked them, can anyone find a man like this, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace And all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So here's truth number two. When we wait on the Lord, it produces a change of events in our lives. But number two, waiting on the Lord will produce a spirit-filled life of discernment and wisdom that is evident to other people. Waiting on the Lord will produce a spirit-filled life of discernment and wisdom that's evident to other people. Now, I want to kind of clue you in on something very important here in this passage of Scripture. I want you to notice kind of what happens as we think through this story because this text, this story is not about Pharaoh, although he plays a role in this story. This story is not about Egypt, although he plays a, they play a role in this story. This story really is not even about Joseph, although he plays a very prominent role in this story. This story, very simply, is about the power of the Lord working through this man. So here's kind of the bottom line. You You can kind of remember this all through Scripture. This is a truth you can find regardless of what text you're reading, Old Testament, New Testament, whatever you're reading. Here's the truth. God is always the central character of the story. He's always the hero. Now let's apply that to our lives just for a minute. Because we have this tendency of thinking we're the hero of our stories, don't we? We have this tendency of thinking we're the main character. We have this tendency of thinking we can accomplish all these things on our own. But the truth is, according to the word of God, that we're nothing without him. And if we're going to do anything in this world that's of real significance... We need the Lord to work through us in order to accomplish it. This was fascinating to me here, what happens and what Pharaoh notices. Look at 
Verse 37 again, 37 to 38. Pull that up, Stephen, if you would for me, please. Pharaoh doesn't say, Joseph, you're a smart guy. I want you to handle this. Joseph, you're a strong guy. I want you to handle this. Joseph, you come from a good family. I want you to handle this. Joseph, you've got a great education. I want you to, all the things that we think are important, Pharaoh doesn't mention any of them. Look at said what he says, verse 37. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all the officials, verse 38. So Pharaoh asked them, now pay attention why he chooses Joseph. Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Pharaoh says, I'm picking you for one very simple reason. You've got the spirit of God upon your life, and I want some of that in my palace. I want a man to lead us that obviously has the power of the Lord working through him. Now, I would argue biblically, and I think I can make the point clearly as I'm trying to do right now, that this Holy Spirit in this context is the key to Joseph's success. It's the fuel that drives that engine. You understand that? Joseph is successful for one very simple reason, because the Lord has worked through him. Now, when I start talking about the Holy Spirit in Baptist churches, we kind of... Wait a minute now, Adam. We know God the Father. We're good with that, right? Because we know fathers. We understand fathers. We know God the Son because we understand sons. We get that. We, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, what is all, what, you know. In Baptist churches, we kind of get afraid to talk about this. But, but if we're honest with ourselves, the Holy Spirit is found not only in the Old Testament, but all through the New Testament, and it, it drives the movement of the church. You need to understand that. And so I want to think just for a minute about the Holy Spirit. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I want to, I want to just give you a little theology. I don't, I don't want you to miss this because this is important. The Bible teaches that there's basically a trinity, although the word's not found in Scripture. The Bible teaches that there's one God who eternally exists in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we would say that each of those three are fully God. So the Holy Spirit isn't as if he's kind of secondary or under or less than or not as many attributes or not as strong. He's fully God. You can't separate that. And yet they exist in three very distinct persons. You say, how can there be one God and three persons? I don't understand. I don't understand either. But it's what the Word of God teaches us. And so we see the Holy Spirit used in some very interesting ways in the Old Testament. Now stay with me. I don't want to lose you. I want you to get this, okay? I'm going to just throw a couple things on you very quickly. I want you to follow with me. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, okay, that's the, de- that's the defining moment in the history of the church because at Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the Lord sends the Holy Spirit upon the believers, tongues of fire, some of you remember the story, and they did miraculous things. From that point forward, the Holy Spirit is given to every believer. That means if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've repented of your sins, turned from your sins, accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. But before Pentecost, this is important, the Holy Spirit was given only to specific individuals for specific reasons. It wasn't a blanket gift to the church like it is now. And so we see all sorts of instances in the Old Testament. Daniel, I've got the scripture, but I don't have time to read them now. Daniel, Gideon, all these different incredible, uh, Joseph, as we've seen a few minutes ago. All these people of the Old Testament are given the Spirit to accomplish specific things, okay? In the New Testament... Because the Holy Spirit is given to all believers, Paul gives us this, this very interesting command. This is important. Ephesians 5.18, I want you to listen to the words of Paul. 
Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now think about what wine and drunkenness does. You lose control of yourself. You don't say the things you normally say. You don't act the way you normally act. That's what drunkenness looks like. Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, here's the contrast, be filled, or some would say be drunk with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, listen, this Spirit here that the Lord has given you should cause you to live your life differently than you did before. You should be a different creature after the Spirit than you were before Spirit. You say, That's, this is all good. Okay, so we've gotten a little theology on the, on the Spirit. We understand the difference between the Spirit and the Old Testament, given to select individuals for specific reasons, versus after Pentecost, the New Testament, where it's, it's given to all believers for all time. That's great, but you say, what, what does that have to do with me? Joseph lived thousands of years ago. God blessed him and, and, and placed his Spirit upon him, and Joseph did incredible things. What does that have to do with me? Well, fast forward several thousand years. Here's what you need to understand. This is awfully important. Here's the connection point for you. You ready? The same spirit that God gave to Joseph that allowed him to ascend to the throne of Pharaoh and rule all of Egypt is the same spirit you have today. Period. There's no excuse for us not doing great things for the Lord. None. You say it's the same spirit? Yeah. Same spirit lived within Joseph, that lived within Gideon, that lived within Daniel, that lived within Isaiah. And on and on the list goes of these incredible, incredible accomplishments for the Lord. You know why these people accomplished those things? Because the Lord was with them through his spirit. We have access to the most powerful resource in the history of the universe, the spirit of God. There's only one very simple reason why we don't do great things for the Lord. You know what it is? ourselves we're the stumbling block see we we get so caught up in what we want to do and what we think we can accomplish in our own abilities and intelligence and strengths and on and on the list goes that we fail to follow the truth of the spirit god says listen i've just i've given you this incredible resource i've given you this fuel that will that will run your engine to accomplish great things for me if you'll just trust me and listen to me and we say you know what god I got it. (laughs) I mean, thanks, but no thanks. And yet the same spirit that's at work within Joseph is at work within us. Here's what John Newton says. Is it really true that that which the early church so depended on, the leader of the spirit, is irrelevant to us today? But here's the... The neat thing maybe about what the Lord does in Joseph's heart. Bring verse 39 up for me if you would please. I'm winding this down. Just stay with me. Verse 39. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. See what God does through his spirit? When we trust him, when we seek him, when we walk with him through difficulties and allow him to work, he gives us a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of discernment that's so powerful and so real that other people see it. When's the last time somebody saw the Spirit working in your life? When's the last time somebody said, man, that guy's just filled with the Spirit. God is just working in his life. God is working in his heart. That should be the desire of all of our hearts. Now, I want to finish this morning. I need to summarize because I'm really out of time. Verse 41, Joseph is going to place in charge of all the land of Egypt. 
Pharaoh's going to give him the ring. Joseph's going to go all over Egypt and he's going to save up grain. He's going to do great things. Now verse 50. Let's just bring up verse 50. Before the years of the famine came, two sons, this is important, this is going to finish this out this morning, were born to Joseph by Asneth, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his first Manasseh and said, it's because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Now, this is all the way down to 57 because I don't have time to read it all. God's going to do an amazing work through Joseph in Egypt because Egypt is prepared and Joseph allows the spirit to work through him, gives him wisdom and discernment to make wise decisions. Look at what's going to happen in verse 57. Now, I'm reading this because this is going to clue us into where this is going. We're leading up to redemption, okay? It's a picture of Christ here, folks. Look at verse 57. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. When it says all the world, we're talking about some old brothers, They many, many years ago did things they shouldn't have done. It's going to be a beautiful picture of redemption. But here's truth number three. Waiting on the Lord will produce a new outlook on life. See, when you kind of get over that hump and God does something amazing in your heart and you're spirit-filled and you're trusting the Lord and you've got wisdom and you have discernment, all of a sudden things are going to look different to you. That's evidenced by how he names his two sons Manasseh, he said, because God made me forget all my trouble and my father's household. Ephraim, because God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Joseph doesn't say I'm going to name these kids because I'm bitter and I'm hateful and I can't stand people. I can't believe this. And why did it take 13 years and God, I can't believe. God has given Joseph a new outlook. And because of this new outlook, I'm going to just a spoiler alert here. Because of this new outlook that God has given Joseph through the power of the Spirit, Joseph can now stand face to face with his brothers, the very brothers that tried to murder him, and completely forgive. You say, Adam, I'm, I am struggling. And I'm going through some difficult times, and I, I just don't know why all this pain is happening to me. I want to say... This, before I finish this morning, this is how one scholar phrased it. Listen to these words. As you think about all the struggles you're going through now, your deepest agony may become a place of your deepest ministry to others. See, God's got a plan for you. He wants to do great things through you. He's letting you walk through difficulties because he wants to prepare you for what's ahead. So here's the question we have to ask. Lord, in all of your sovereignty, what do you want to do through me for your honor? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the story of Joseph. We're thankful for all he accomplished, Father, and all he did, but we understand very clearly that power came because of your spirit in him. Period, Lord. Help us to understand that without you, we are hopeless and helpless, but with you, Father, we do great things. And so I pray you would just comfort. You would speak to us, Lord, in the struggles of life right now, all the things that we deal with, all the difficulties that we face. Help us to see and understand that, that that time of waiting, that period of waiting, Father, produces things in us. It grows us, it deepens our walk, it deepens our faith until we have that turning point 
when we're led by the Spirit to be wise and discerning so others can see that in us. And when that happens, Father, you give us a new outlook on life and allow us to respond to people differently than we did before, not because of our power, but because of your power working through us. Father, help that just to be very clear to our hearts. Give us the strength and the wisdom to follow you in all things, regardless of what it may cost. And then I pray, Father, you'd receive honor and glory in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the chance for the next few minutes. Maybe you want to pray about your path, your struggles, what God's got in store for you, what he's preparing you for. Maybe you want to stand in the gap for somebody else, a brother or sister that you love dearly that's suffering, that needs to understand the Lord's working in their life. You respond. You come as we sing. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.